welcome to Hands on Health, the podcast all about living your healthiest life on the coast. I'm your host, Felicia Struby. My guest today is Dr. Timothy Becker from the CMH OHSU Cardiology Clinic. Dr. Becker is board certified in internal medicine, cardiology, and nuclear cardiology. As a doctor of osteopathy, Dr. Becker brings a holistic approach to his practice. One recent patient said, Dr. Becker was the most thorough doctor I've ever been to. He has a great bedside manner and is very easy to talk to. I'm happy to have a doctor like him. Let's meet Dr. Becker. Today, I am joined by Dr. Timothy Becker. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me. Yes, so glad to see you. Well, not see you because we're having some technical difficulties, <laughs> but so glad to have you on the podcast. So, Dr. Becker, you are with the CMH OHSU Cardiology Clinic, and you've been there since August. Is that right? Yes, I, I joined uh, the kind of like the very end of August, uh, August 31st. So I've been here, I guess, you know, almost uh, five months or a little over four months. You sure came at an odd time. Um, right in the middle of the pandemic. So have you seen any of your coworkers' faces? Yes and no. There's still a lot of people when I run into them uh, without a mask on, I I get taken aback and it takes me a little while to recognize. (laughs) Yeah, you'll have to start looking at their badges. That's the only way we (laughs) see people without a mask on. So you are a cardiologist. That's right. But you're also a doctor of osteopathy, which... um, would you mind explaining to our listeners what makes the doctor of osteopathy path to becoming a doctor different than uh, an MD, a medical doctor degree or medical degree? Sure. Yeah. The, you know, the, the, the difference kind of begins, uh, you know, day one at, in medical school, in addition to all the core science classes, you know, we also get uh, hands-on training to do manipulation uh, treatments, kind of similar to what a chiropractor might do or similar to what a physical therapist might do and work to develop those skills. So we have time dedicated throughout the week to develop those skills throughout those first uh, two years. But after the first two years of medical school, the the training is you know more or less very integrated. We will be on clinical rotations a lot of times with MD colleagues. We have opportunities to continue uh, developing these hands-on training. And so some people will do more training to do that as part of their practice, where some uh, some providers like myself, you know, I've, I guess I've kind of let that skill set by the wayside. <laughs> but, um, but, there is, but there are a lot of osteopathic physicians, especially in the primary care setting, that are they're able to offer this type of hands-on treatment in addition to the typical medication treatments that are typical in the primary care setting. So it's kind of a little, an extra tool in the tool bag, if you were. Well, this is kind of going off on a tangent, but I've been reading a lot about the vagus nerve and impact on the autonomic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system. Mm-hmm. And it seems like there's some manipulations that can be done to help people sort of reset the vagus nerve and therefore reset some of those, you know, heart rate, blood pressure, breathing, all of that sort of stuff. Does that, is that at all coming up in, in the osteopathic schools? Yeah. So in the train, there are some, uh, some techniques where we kind of work on some of the soft tissue to try to relieve restriction around, around the vagal nerve. In cardiology, we also train patients to do maneuvers to activate the vagal nerves. You know, there are certain arrhythmias where by activating the vagal nerve, we can actually get the arrhythmia to stop. Oh, that's cool. 
Yeah, so in general, just in general cardiology, we are familiar with the vagal nerve, but as far as this kind of hands-on soft tissue treatments to try to relieve restriction around the vagal nerve, that is something that is part of uh, osteopathic training. Hmm. Very interesting. I know when I was having like racing heart, there were just some probably similar to the techniques that you're teaching patients just to hold my breath and squeeze and like calm that down. And it, it really did right. help. So, right. Yeah. So why did you go into medicine? Was there a, a person or an event that inspired you? Yeah, I, um, you know, I went into medicine because I wanted to help people. I had my own medical experience uh, when I was uh, 14 and required medical treatment and, and surgery at a you know, young age. And that, that experience kind of was what, you know, was kind of my, my first, ex beyond just seeing, a, you know, your primary care pediatrician, what the whole medical system looks like and how people can work together to solve a problem, you know, looking at imaging, looking at different specialists, meeting with surgeons, and kind of how everybody works together. The value of having good nursing care in the, in the hospital and, and how patient experience can really make a big difference. And I was very appreciative. It was a very scary thing to go through at, at a young age, um, having a big surgery. And so having good patient care was very important and kind of inspired me to take more interest in that work. And, and that's kind of where, where my journey started. So around the age of 14. Yeah, 14 is an awfully impressionable age. So it sounds like you had a good experience, though, and it led you. Yes, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, you, you had the aptitude for the science and the math and, and the people skills that you need to become a, a doctor. So you're fortunate in that the interest and the abilities lined up. And yeah. <laughs> but so I, I take it that you didn't start out wanting to be a cardiologist. Is, how did that come into it? So I've always been very interested in health and fitness and kind of the combination of exercise and healthy diet as part of a healthy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so uh, my interest in cardiology really grew during my second year of medical school where I was in uh, the cardiology course. And, and uh, you know, and that's where, where my interest uh, really, really grew, how the heart is so central <laughs> to, to everything that we do um, and that it's so complicated in how it functions, but also has this sort of simplicity in that just doing a lot of these healthy things, like uh, having a healthy diet or, or doing regular exercise can really make a big difference in how it functions. And, you know, and then cardiology also, you know, is also on the other end of the spectrum as far as pushing the science, as far as, you know, doing genetic research for identifying people who are at risk for certain uh, diseases at a young age, but also developing new technologies for less invasive treatment for aortic valve disease and uh, trying to develop uh, alternative for, for patients with advanced heart failure to, to get their heart to function better. And so it kind of combines this, you know, he healthy lifestyle, but also the kind of the, the cutting edge. And I, I really enjoy that, that combination. Hey there, Felicia here. Thanks for listening. There's no way I could cover all of your questions in one conversation. So if you have a question about COVID-19 or any other health issue, please call 503-338-4654 to leave me a message. I'll do my best to get you an expert answer in an upcoming episode. Now here's a question from a listener like you. My name is Betsy. I'm almost 79 years old. I have type 2 diabetes, and I am concerned 
and have questions about when myself and my husband, who is the same age, can receive our COVID-19 shots. I find it very difficult to find any information and would like to know. We are members of the um, Memorial Hospital family with our doctor. And when can we expect to be able to get this as we feel we are high risk? Thanks for your call, Betsy. Here to answer your question is CMH's Director of Pharmacy and Cancer Care, Chris Lehman, is a member of Clatsop County's COVID-19 Vaccine Task Force. Here he is with an update on the county's plans to distribute vaccines and how you can get on the list. The county health department has posted on their website what the current stratification is from the Oregon Health Authority. And today we are sharing with the community a survey to allow people to get on the list to be vaccinated. So that doesn't register them for an event, but it puts them in the pool of people who the county will reach out and contact when vaccine becomes available. So the biggest challenge we're facing right now is the simple fact that there are not enough vaccines in the community to roll them out to all of the populations. That combined with messages from the governor's office that is saying, you know, on a certain date, vaccine is going to be available to everybody 65 and older or everybody 75 and older. Those are things that, that are coming out of the governor's office, but simply really can't be uh, done because there aren't enough vaccines in our community to do that. So that uh, the people getting on that list will make sure that we know who everyone is and that they need a vaccine. And then we'll use the information that the community members put into that survey to start communicating with them on a regular basis via email or other modes of communication so that they'll know what's going on and when it's going to be their turn. Thanks, Chris. To fill out that survey and get your name on Clatsop County's contact list, visit the Clatsop County Public Health website or look for the link in the description below. Now, let's get back to our guest. Well, I noticed that you also, you're certified in nuclear medicine. Is that right? Uh, in nuclear cardiology. So in cardiology, there are certain tests that we order that use nuclear uh, isotopes that the blood takes up. And we can basically see on imaging with these nuclear isotopes how the heart is taking up blood. And we can use that as part of a stress test to identify problems with blood flow to the heart. So let's see if I can paint a picture. The nuclear isotopes, when they're injected into the bloodstream and you use imaging mm -hmm. like a CT or PET CT or something like that, they kind of glow, don't they? Right. Yeah. They give off photons. Mm -hmm. And so we'll take images of the, how the heart uh, takes up this nuclear isotope at rest. And then we'll do a stress like walk on a treadmill or give a medication to recreate the stress and see how the heart function changes. And that can really help guide decision-making or get, help us with the diagnosis. Okay. So what do you find most rewarding about your job? Um, for me, the, the most rewarding part of my job is spending my time doing something that I feel is worthwhile work or good, you know, good work. Spending my time helping others is the part that I enjoy the most mm -hmm. and interacting with other people. Are there people that stick in your mind as you've seen them when they were really ill and you've worked with them over months and years and, and just seen 
great success stories? Do you have people that stick in your mind and that you kind of carry with you when you're, say on a bad day, you're thinking, oh, Mrs. Jones, that's why I do this. Yeah. With cardiology, we follow patients in and out of the hospital. So we get to know our patients very well. I have had patients where even when things don't go as well as you might have hoped, uh, you really value that that relationship and they really value having a physician that they can trust to turn to, especially when things are more difficult, that relationship becomes even more important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as a cardiologist, I imagine that you had a lot of options on where you could practice. Why did you choose out here on the Oregon coast? So I've always enjoyed uh, going to the Oregon coast. I grew up about two hours from here in, in Wilsonville. And part of our tradition, you know, family uh, outing was to do a, a annual camping trip at Fort Stevens. So I, and that was every year for like last 25, you know, 25 years and, you know, grew to be very familiar uh, with, with the area. Um, and so with my interest in the outdoors and, and having access to trails and, and hiking and walking and biking and canoeing and the ocean, uh, and also having a great small town to raise uh, a family in was very appealing <laughs> mm-hmm. to, to myself and my wife. And, and you know, we're joined now by a five-month-old. Our oh, first congratulations. Child. Thank you. And, and she was only two weeks old when we, we moved out here. So this, so this you know, r- really... Uh, big changes all around. Right, big changes all around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, are you getting any sleep these days? Yeah, you know, when, when, you, when you can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, as as you well know, uh, sleep is such an important of our health that uh, those little infants, they kind of, they steal it from us for a while, but. Right. And, you know, that's why, you know, when, when, when she sleeps, I, I try to sleep as well. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> so if you were going to leave our, our listeners with your core philosophy on how to be well, what would it be? So as I've mentioned sort of throughout this talk, I really do believe that lifestyle can have a big impact in our health. Um, So, you know, the importance of paying attention to what we eat and trying to eat a healthy diet and then really trying to be active in developing an exercise routine to get exercise in, you know, we say, you know, five to seven days a week or most days of the week, uh, just doing that a little bit of exercise, a minimum of 30 minutes per day can really make a big difference and really improve health overall. That's been my goal for the year is to get back to being active. The pandemic has certainly made it difficult for me, you know, life in general, kids and whatnot. But working up to that 30 minutes of really getting my heart up every day, that's been tough. How do you fit it in? I mean, you're a working professional, you've got a baby at home. Where do you fit it into your day? So, um, so I, I fit it into my day between the end, end of the workday and before I go home. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it kind of helps me to depressurize after work. And, you know, that way, if there was something stressful happening at work, you're already in a relaxed state by the time you get home. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, sure my, I'm sure my family appreciates that. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, just when you leave the day to like, you know, I pack a bag and I have my workout clothes in it. And it's kind of like a pre-made plan. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always make it to working out, but at least that way you kind of already set this expectation of yourself mm-hmm. uh, to, uh, to make it happen. You know, so for me, you know, that's at sort of the end of the workday for some people, 
you know, it may be before they go to work or in the middle of the day, you know, the most important thing I think is to find what works uh, for the individual. And 30 minutes, that's, you know, the goal. But even any amount that people can start with does make a big difference. Well, it's really that starting that I think is the hardest part, isn't it? It's just that activation energy. Right, right, right. (laughs) Getting, Getting the ball rolling. Right, right. Well, thank you for spending a little bit of time with me today and uh, welcome to the community and welcome to fatherhood. Oh, yes. <laughs> thank, thank you. <laughs> thank you for all those. <laughs> yes. <laughs> thank you for joining us today. I'm Felicia Struvi, and this has been an episode of Hands on Health brought to you by Columbia Memorial Hospital.